Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men on an end man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. It's the first and longest running Pirates of the Caribbean cast that's as much about the movie as it is exploring the historical elements we find in and beyond the film's and expanded universe. It's a little bit of everything there. Hodgepodge, a mixture, a brew, a grog if you will. I'm Scott Artis from ScottArtis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 14 of Dead Man's Chest. Wow, we, Minute 14 already. I know. It's already gone by pretty Jeez. quick. Before you know it, uh, we'll be done. And then we'll be on to Season 3. And that's what? This is our 15th day, Why are though? we trying to do math here? Wait, this is our 15th day. Yeah, we accidentally did a Santa Claus Minute. How do we do that? Yeah, Christmas, this thing that's like a weird holiday or something that just pops up every now and then. Very strange. We are about ready to ring in the new year, though, speaking of Christmas. Oh, yeah. Ding dong, ding dong. Oh, that's not a bell. doorbell? (laughs) (laughs) Christmas came late this year. Just rang our doorbell. (laughs) But it does mean, actually, that it's been one year since we launched the podcast. Wow. Yeah, one year already. It's hard to believe. And we are still going strong, or still going, I should say, one year later. Not strong, <laughs> not weak, but eh, we're just right in the middle there. The movies by many genres also exploded over that time, and I'm amazed at the number of teams covering movies now. All kinds of films, from classics to independents to big blockbusters. And it's really just insane, actually. I don't even know what to say about that. It's just crazy. So much to listen to. Yeah, there's not even time to see- listen to all of it. No? Oh, well, except Doug out there. Shout out to Doug. Listens to every one of them. He's a trooper. (laughs) But everyone else who doesn't have superpowers. Like Doug? Yeah, like Doug. uh, We try our best to listen to as many as we can. And that's all you can do. But you can check them all out at moviesbyminutes.com. And you can kind of shop around. See what else you might like. What other movies you would be interested in in a breakdown. So, of course. But always stick it here. Stick it here? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know we're all about the euphemisms here. That was blatant. That was just blatant. Doesn't get any more R-rated than that. That's what she said. Because that was my belated, that's what she said. But jeez. I mean, it never hurts to share your love for our show. Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, the Black Pearl Show. Stick with us here. <laughs> is what Heather probably meant to say. That is stick exactly here. what I that's meant. That's a whole different thing. A whole other uh, internet thing out there. And I was going to say you could go to that website because Heather said it's it. It's probably not but good. Yeah, don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> I don't even know how to continue on with something like that. <laughs> oh, man. 
And that's probably why Doug listens to the show for that kind of craziness. <laughs> what stupid thing is Heather going to say today? <laughs> exactly. But I know everyone out there doesn't want to admit to listening to a crazy pirate cast now, especially after that debacle. But come on, I mean, seriously, just give a shout and tell your friends. Let them know it's a guilty pleasure or something, and you just might learn a little history. Okay, maybe you don't want to tell them the history part because that could scare people off. Sell them on the pirate thing or deep diving into Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. Something for everyone in a pirate rapper kind of thing. And unlike Jerry Seinfeld, everyone does want to be a pirate. That don't you do. think? Yeah, yeah, see, that's what I thought. So tell your friends. There you go. Join the fun. The bootleg buccaneer fun here. In the previous minute, Beckett gives Will a no-deal ultimatum. Jack finds his sea legs. Rum plus a rocking ship equals walking straight. Hmm. Jack is still having a mind versus heart compass debate. Marty cuddles Cotton's leg instead of that teddy bear. And no, that's not a euphemism. And Jack goes down below deck. Is that a euphemism? No. Because nobody can have a euphemism after years. <laughs> Minute 14 begins the Captain Jack Sparrow arriving in the berth of the Black Pearl, making his way past the live cargo of chickens and goats and quietly unlocks the storage room filled with barrels and rum. Yeah, Jack smiles. The minute ends with Jack approaching a hidden figure in the storeroom. As the light gives way, Jack cautiously says, Bootstrap, Bill Turner. The barnacle-encrusted man turns to Jack as critters scurry across his face and Jack gets a look of shock. That's where we end. Is it me or is this bootstrap not what we imagined? No, not quite. Think back to the Black Pearl, this bootstrap character. Is this who we imagined he would be? I mean, come on! Dapper, adventurous, debonair Will Turner is our only image of the Turner family, right? Yes. This is who we picture as the Turner family. And what happens? I expected a older, more... Refined? Yes, Will Turner. That's what we all thought. And what happens? We get our first glimpse of his father? No, not a distinguished older gentleman. Hell no, it's a creepy dude hiding out in the bowels of the ship. <laughs> with sea creatures freaking attached to him. And, and bugs screaming. crawling all over his face. Yeah, well, not bugs, but well, uh, critters. Sea, sea creatures. Okay. Scurrying and across and his face. With his sea mouth? bugs. Oh. There you go. Okay, yeah, sea, sea bugs. bugs. That's not the technical term, folks. <laughs> but yeah. Well, well, that's not who we imagined Bootstrap to be. Not at all. I mean, come on. Will sold us a bill of goods and we bought it. And then they delivered something else. It's like ordering uh, Chinese food and you get, what the hell do you get? You don't get Chinese food. You get anything but Chinese food. There you go. <laughs> Asian fusion. Okay, Asian fusion. If you want Asian fusion, that's fine. But if you're ordering Chinese food, get me some Chinese food. Exactly. Because this movie is all about the creepy character introductions. And we knew something had to be up with that dark, dank room down there. Especially when you've seen the barnacles in the little box. Yeah, exactly. But I wasn't... Uh, that's what happens when you haven't used your box in a while. <laughs> God. <laughs> Just festers, if you will. When your rum's all gone. Yeah, when your rum's all gone. What, do you th- what are you talking about? <laughs> because it's not holding the rum bottles anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, all the all this stuff goes over my head. But that's what I'm saying. We expected something to happen. I wasn't expecting Bootstrap when I first saw the movie. So I thought it was an interesting choice. But he definitely wasn't what I thought he was going to be, a barnacle-encrusted guy. Right. Or maybe I did. I don't know. Because, okay, I didn't expect it. Let's just say that. Well, who would expect a barnacle-encrusted guy? Well, that's my thing. I mean, it's because you kind of expect something to happen, I guess. I mean, we know that he was submerged into the water, right? Right. 
but is this who we really thought it was going to be? And that and that's my point. I mean, we know that Bootstrap was sent to the depths, Davy Jones's locker, by Barbosa and the crew, right? For not wanting to go along or having misgivings about getting rid of Jack and all that stuff that transpired. So I guess it makes sense without knowing the whole story that he might have some barnacle action, but that's not what I expected. Let's just say that. Well, it's not the first thought that would come to your mind with somebody. Yeah, we know he's on the bottom of the ocean, but why would you expect him to have barnacles? Now, I would be more surprised. Yeah, I would be more surprised if we hadn't had the supernatural element in Curse of the Black Pearl. If it was more of a straight pirate movie without like a supernatural element. Yeah. Then I would be surprised to see Bootstrap Bill. I don't think I'm necessarily surprised to see him. I was like glad to see him is what I was. Okay. But what's with the barnacles and the fanworms growing on the wood that you mentioned in that ship there on the rum bottle storage? I assume they came in with Bootstrap. That's what I'm wondering. Is this because of Bootstrap Bill or are they supposed to be growing there because it's constantly getting wet? Well, Jack seemed awful shocked they were there. Yeah. And I would have to think that Jack visits this place quite often. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> that is a good point. And he was very shocked to see them there. Jack probably goes down there all the time. Yeah. And I don't know. Is he disgusted actually that there's fanworms and barnacles growing there? Or, the or is it the, the rum's empty? That's the question. <laughs> Shouldn't he be taking care of his ship? Y- yeah. But shouldn't he be taking care of well, the rum storage, too, to make sure that there's plenty of rum on board? Exactly. It doesn't look like there's So that's the left. question. Is he is he surprised of the sea creatures growing there, or is he surprised that there is no rum? And I, I'm going with the sea creatures. Well, yeah. He was shocked to see the sea creatures there. You know, because he, he, the look he gave him was like, what are you doing there? Yeah. You know, type of look. But then when he went to look for the bottle of rum... He's like looking all over the place. Oh, oh, there, there it is. So that's you what know? I'm thinking. So it's a different reaction to it. It's it is the surprise that that there are these barnacles and sea creatures growing there because he wouldn't be as surprised if he had seen them gradually grow. I mean, it's not like these things would just grow overnight and become full fledged giant objects. There, right? It would take a little while, and so he would see them growing, and then finally they'd be adults one day. So. We know that it's probably because they just appeared there and probably because of Bootstrap with all of his critters that came along with him. Yeah. Bootstrap must have stuck an arm in there or something. <laughs> he touched and it they, or something they and they come off. off it's like a, something. What is something that... I can't remember. There was like a movie, if you touch something, it was... or It was almost like Fantasia, getting back to a Disney reference, where Mother Nature oh, yeah. would kind of touch something and it would sprout up with flowers and grow and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's maybe kind of what it is for Bootstrap is when he touches something, all these barnacles and sea creatures just sprout up. So Bootstrap is the mother sea. Father sea. Father sea. Which, Nature. Father ocean, maybe. Maybe Father ocean is okay. better. Father ocean. But they already have like Neptune and they already have gods of the sea, so. Maybe he's an angel okay. of the sea. I did something I wish I hadn't, though, on the barnacle topic. Can you guess what that is? Did too much research. Actually, I did just enough, and it scared the shit out of me. While doing this barnacle checking in thing, I came across this frightening real-life bootstrap bill scenario. It was from the TV show Monsters Inside Me on Animal Planet. So you know it's never good when you start things out. By referencing a show called Monsters Inside Me. No, this can't be good at all. That's right there with kind of the 
It's never what you want to hear. Let's just say that. Hey, we could really use you on the show. Oh, really? What what show is it? What's it called? Monsters Inside Me. Ah! You don't want to hear that. No, you don't want to be part of that show. If you're in the hospital and somebody approaches you, producer says that, you got to run. Run for your life. Or maybe run back into the operating room or something yeah. like that. Because anyways, yes, this is apparently true stuff here. Well, okay, as much as things have been true on the Discovery family of channels. Yeah, mermaid teasers. I remember that. You tricked me with that mermaid show. How dare you guys. As I was saying, apparently a guy really had barnacles attach themselves to a man's hand. The larva managed to work their way into a cut and started growing. Seriously? Yeah. Who's ready to go swimming right now? I'll pass. Apparently, these barnacles that got in there really caused agonizing pain when they started growing. He couldn't make a fist, couldn't hold anything. These little white growths on the palm of his hand started showing up. Like you would see a freaking barnacle. How weird. In the ocean, on a rock, on a ship. Yeah, on this guy's hand. It wasn't really enough that this was happening, but it, it attached to the sheath of his tendon. And he started getting all this pain there. But the barnacles growing wasn't just, like I said, bad enough. It was also causing this horrendous like bacterial infection going oh, on. Oh, really? Yeah. So over the course of nine freaking months, he had to take antibiotics to kill a microbacterium infection, had multiple surgeries, and had to go to physical therapy to get rid of this and to correct it. Jeez. Get his strength back in his hand. So all you seen was little tiny bumps, not... <laughs> he didn't not, say like feather, the feathered end. They didn't actually end. start growing, you know, more like... Not like you see on the Black Pearl. He didn't have like... Feather palm, a hairy palm. <laughs> no, he didn't have that. Well, okay. He could, but that's an entirely different reason. What I'm talking about is the barnacle here. He didn't have that. He didn't have that barnacle action there. But he did have to go to all of this, like physical therapy, multiple surgeries, and then antibiotics, like a wow. hardcore antibiotics to get rid of this problem. Wow. I mean, what in the hell? Or should I say, what in the Davy Jones is freaking going on here? Almost one year had passed since the first symptoms and he finally got rid of it. Man. Yeah. These little white bumps. That's crazy. The I feathers growing so. out of them. It didn't, they didn't show the feathers, but see, they had reenactment on there. So it's not like they had the video of the real thing. Oh, you couldn't see the, oh. So it was a reenactment and special effects that they used. Did you Google the guy? Well, I, I didn't. I was horrified enough that this guy had barnacle hand action. Which I'm going to have to post a video on our Cursed Listeners crew group and Facebook. Because why should I be the only scared one that think if you go swimming in the ocean that you're going to get uh, barnacles attached to you? I guess. It's just not good. No. Now I feel not bad for the whales, though. Yeah. I mean, they attach to the outside of the whales. But if there's a cut on a whale, obviously these things can oh, be yeah. getting inside whales. And now if they're causing this guy agonizing pain, those poor whales, uh, if they have barnacles growing inside cuts, that's just not good. Now we got to save... Whales from barnacles. But this led me to the question, how did the barnacles survive on his hand without being underwater? Not yeah, in the ocean. Yeah, don't they need that Yeah, because I was wondering water? that. How could they actually survive on his hand? But then again, I guess if he's washing his hands frequently, the barnacles could always be getting wet. You know, just like we see on the yeah. pearl. Like, if, if the yeah, barnacles you, actually yeah. were growing inside the ship, not that we, you know, I think we put that to bed that we think this is bootstrap built, but if there was water or spray in there... They could be getting wet. But if it's growing under the skin, too, it well, then it would be coming out. Moisture. That's true. But not, I mean, it's, yeah, different kind of thing. I mean, it's not much food there in like 
drops of water or anything like that. But if there's enough water with the food to filter things out, they could potentially survive as their filter feeders. I mean, but that dude had them on his hands. So, I mean, it just goes to show, yeah, if he had them on his hands, then they must have survived, obviously. Yeah. The barnacle has famously been described as nothing more than a little shrimp-like animal standing on its head in a limestone house and kicking food into its mouth. It kicks food into its mouth with its long, feathery feet, which stick out through the shell opening. And as the creature pulls back its limbs, its comb-like mouth apparatus scrapes food particles off of its legs. This is what this guy had on his hands. That's that's, what we're seeing in the Black Pearl. That isn't good. Now, according to this publication on barnacles, because I had to do a little light barnacle reading in the scientific journals, some can survive long periods out of the water. For example, balanoids, balanoids can go six weeks out of water. It's a pretty long time. Yeah. Out of the ocean. Yeah. And Thalamus stellatus has been known to live for three years with only brief submergence one or two days a month. Jeez. Yeah. So that's how we see that uh, Barnacle Man here, our real living bootstrap, was able to, to survive that. But, I mean, we all thought Jaws was scary. Now we have to worry about killer barnacles going into the ocean. It's like a 1970s B-movie here thing yeah. going on. Yeah, it's just not right. Killer barnacles. Killer barnacles. <laughs> Since we're talking a bit about bootstrap here, okay, maybe we're talking all about bootstrap and the real life bootstrap. But the good, the good news is that this guy hopefully got a good nickname out of it. If there, people aren't calling this guy bootstrap, then that's a lose lose scenario for this yeah. guy. If he didn't emerge with a nickname, then he I did, feel bad for he him. He deserves a nickname, bootstrap. Yeah, he does deserve that nickname. Yeah. But I have uh, info on bootstrap's life. Well, at least his early days. I didn't really want to get into all of it. Well. Let's just say before the events of the Black Pearl and that damn Aztec gold. But I have way more than I want to cover here because I don't want it to turn into like a snooze fest as we're like going through a list of things from the Jack Sparrow novels. From your uh, from my PowerPoint? Research, from my PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, I don't want people to, to tune out. Yeah. Billy Turner, I'll just start off with, was born during the late 17th century and lived on the Isle of Man with his Aunt Erin. See? This is how Snooze Fest starts. <laughs> Uncle Seamus also lived with him and his dog Crumbs. There we go. Crumbs, his dog. That's a pretty cute name. He was given a ticket aboard the Sea Star to North Carolina as his hometown was in a dire situation after all their fish died. Oh, no. But he was arrested after the Sea Star's captain called him a stowaway when his ticket was classed as a counterfeit by the Royal Navy. Uh, counterfeiters everywhere. Even back then. Exactly, even back then. This led him to being transported to Port Royal where he was to be hanged. But like Sparrow, he was actually rescued. And years later, Billy then joined Jack Sparrow's crew aboard the Black Pearl. And he revealed that he had eventually made it to North Carolina and had married a girl who had given birth to a son. So, there you go. That's the uh, short, sweet version sweet of it. Sweet and short. You didn't like how I said it? No. Short and sweet. You had, you to, said it you wrong. had to change it up. Yeah. But he had all kinds of uh, adventures that are in the Jack Sparrow books, and maybe we'll cover some of that at some point. Like cool sea monster things and all kinds of stuff, yeah. But the adventures of Jack Sparrow also give us the reason for his nickname, or at least lead up to it. I won't spoil that part here, but he says, uh, Billy, my name is Billy. Well, Billy it is then, but Billy is no name for a sailor. I recently met a pirate, a fellow named Renegade Robbie. You'll be needing a proper pirate name too, of course, like Bloody Billy. You are a pirate, aren't you? And then you go. Then we can... uh. Read on. I like Bootstrap better than Bloody Billy. Well, they settled on Bootstrap. There you go. So not bloody. But that was the uh, start of the conversation to how Bootstrap needed a nickname based on Renegade Robbie. (laughs) Okay. I'll go with it. Okay. It's like they they put some pirate names there 
with nicknames, but none of them are as superior as Bootstrap. So they had to like tease out like all these other nicknames. Yeah. Renegade Robbie. But none of them are as powerful as Bootstrap Bill. <laughs> They're just not. No. Renegade Robbie is almost too sing-songy. Yeah. You think of Renegade Robbie, you think, you gave yourself that nickname, didn't you? Sounds like a, it should be a song. Yeah. Guys are up on the roof snapping at each other as they're doing a dance, getting ready to fight. A West Side Story type thing? Yeah, exactly. West Side Story. (laughs) Renegade Robbie. There he is. I have a couple of miscellaneous notes on the production in this minute. Not like a dance production, though. (laughs) The set details this week really haven't disappointed from Beckett's office to the Black Pearl. Lots of great detail. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. Like I said, it was no wonder that it was nominated for an Academy Award for Art Direction. Yes. There's also some standout lighting in this minute, just enough to keep things a bit creepy. There appears to be some other light sources other than the lantern Jack is holding. I'm going to just ascribe uh, that to a movie license here because it would be too dark. But the lantern provides that opportunity for a semi-slow reveal of bootstrap as Jack raises the lantern up. Yeah. And I like that. I thought that there was some nice cinematography here as well. Lots of tight shots on Jack and bootstrap. It really brings home like this cramped quarters feel that's going on below deck here. Yeah. And also there's this use of the set to give us angles from behind the bottle rack with the barnacles in the foreground and then Jack in the background. So there's, I thought they did some cool shots there Mm -hmm. just to get different perspectives on things better than just uh, following them around. But we're seeing what Jack is looking at and not having to look over his shoulder or these kinds of things. Right. And then on the lighting element, Which is where I was really leading up to. There's an interesting tie-in in like this symbolic maneuver with Jack here. When Bootstrap is revealed at the very end of the minute, only half of Jack's face is actually illuminated. Did you notice that? Yes. That was like a a canned yes. Like I actually hit the button. Yes. Why yes. (laughs) Sure does. Golly gee, beaver. Just some of my sound effects. Because as we all know, Heather's not really here. It's just me using my voice. But Jack's half-face or half-lit face, I mean, it's just interesting because there are two sides to Jack that really underlies the plot of this movie. This is currently showing up with the compass. Jack's not sure what he wants most because he doesn't know what he wants most. He's torn, half one way, half the other. And when Bootstrap makes his appearance, only half of Jack's face is visible. We currently know that Jack wants the compass, but what else could he actually want? It's a mystery for the audience at this point. Although there was... A hint, a minute or so back, there was kind of a callback line regarding the rum. He wants rum? Yeah, but it wasn't rum. It was a tie to what he really wants most because of where he actually said that line in the first place in The Curse of the Black Pearl. So we'll just say that. I've been saying stuff. Do you have anything going on over there? I do. Okay, then. I have a little bit of information on Bootstrap and who plays him. Okay. And that is Stellan Skarsgård. I always have a problem with his last name. Stellan Skarsgård. There you go. Thank you. When Skarsgård was approached for this movie, he'd seen, boot, he'd seen sketches of Bootstrap and knew what he looked like, right? But he figured that most of it would be CGI. Oh. Well, then they did a makeup test and decided that prosthetics would actually work better, look better than CGI. So they ended up with prosthetics instead. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. He got to spend upwards of four and a half hours a day in makeup, in the makeup chair, (laughs) to do his makeup to get all the barnacles and stuff on there. 
He did say that they were very soft and easy to work with, and they didn't cause problems with him um, talking and making facial expressions and stuff. He was able to do that. So they okay. weren't real barnacles, like our real bootstrap. Yeah, they weren't crusty. He okay. wasn't crusty. He was soft. It's always good to have your barnacles <laughs> soft. Skarsgård said that Gore put his personal stamp on the film. He kept away from the cliches. Or when he used them, he would make fun of them rather than go with the cliches. Give sort of a unique life to what he was doing. Skarsgård said, also said that Gore is interested in the actors. He allows a lot of room for the actors to bloom and expand within the scene and see if it rocks. But I think that's what Gore is trying to do, especially when he's working with characters like Johnny Depp. He allows that kind of stuff to happen because that's when a lot of the best stuff comes out. If you're really restrictive then it might hinder that performance, especially with people like Johnny Depp, who are known for, well, at least capitalizing on outlandish kind of in the moment, what he's feeling and what he feels the character should be doing with some of those movements and things like that. Yeah. And to allow the actors to actually react and to take on that character, to give that character some of a life of their own, then that really helps sell it. We can watch Stellan... In this part, because we only really get a first glimpse of Bootstrap and how things are going on. Right. But in general, he is a great actor. And that's what I think is a smart choice is to have him as Bootstrap. Even though when I'm saying that he wasn't necessarily the guy that I was expecting, Mm -hmm. he is this distinguished person in real life. And that was the difference is we have somebody like that, maybe not quite as distinguished as maybe a Sean Connery or something like that. Right. Or an Anthony Hopkins, but he is in his own right. And to have him then barnacled up, that was the shocker. Yeah. Because you would expect, and I wouldn't have even said this, if he was like unbarnacled, if he was normal yeah. when he was sitting there, I'd have said, okay, yeah. that's yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the barnacles, that's what... Was unexpected. Like the unexpected twist yeah. with that. And the fact that he soaked, it looks like he just came from the sea... And as an audience member, you're going, what in the hell is going on? You already know that Dead Man's Chest is here. You've already seen some of the trailers, so you know that what potentially could lie ahead. But that that's, I think, the shocker there. Yeah, yeah. That's the new character development. That there is the moment where we realize, okay, it's not about ghost pirates or skeleton pirates as it was in Curse of the Black Pearl. It looks like we're getting sea creature pirates here. Right. That's when you see that, and that's when you know this is the difference between the Black or Curse of the Black Pearl and now Dead Man's Chest. Right. One of the reasons Bruckheimer wanted Skarsgård, Stellan here, is because he actually worked with him with on King Arthur, and he really brought his character to life in that movie. And so that's why he won. One of the reasons why he wanted him for Dead Man's Chest. Yeah, because they envision when they're looking at this and putting a movie together, they envision what is going to happen or how the actors are going to bring a character to life. And then it helps if you've worked with him because you can say, yeah, that's what he's going to be able to bring to this character. Right. That's all I got. That's it? Well, except for really bad eggs. So I don't know. Uh, Are you ready for that? I thought you were forgetting. I don't ever forget. (laughs) Really? Hell no. It's like, uh, it's just part of being awesome in general that that allows me to excel at that kind of stuff. So really bad eggs. It's getting deep in here. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It is. This... What is that, deep in BS? Or is that deep in, like, or deep in, really, analysis of movie magic happening and making movies? 
Yes, all the way. Well, that's just rude. So really bad eggs. That's the segment where we talk about our favorite lines from the week and over the last five minutes. So I, let's kick this off, actually. Let's just kick this off. So what do you got for us, Heather? Why is the rum always gone? Well, how could I not guess that you were going to choose rum? <laughs> just the way he says this line is just awesome. Then when he gets up, he actually goes, well, that's the reason. Because he drank all the rum. It is a good callback line to the Curse of the Black Pearl. And it also sets up, as I said, things that are leading to this turmoil between Jack's mind and Jack's heart. And that's a callback to a certain scenario. So I'm not going to spoil it now with some of that. But yeah, it is a good callback. It is also kind of a fan service, if we want to call it that. Because that was a great fan moment to have that in the movie. Something that people, you know, grabbed onto. Yeah. Uh, but then it's also just a great moment for Jack. And I think we talked about it too. Just set up kind of a wonderful scene of him getting up, stumbling, knowing why the rum is gone now because he drank it. The ship is rocking and then it kind of sets him in balance and he's able to walk straight. <laughs> too bad it's not setting his mind in balance. What are you getting deep again in BS? Yeah. And that's for uh, saying it to me earlier. Really? Yeah. No. So his compass will work properly oh, so he compass. knows where to head. For me... It's when, at the end of this particular minute, when Captain Jack Sparrow says, Bootstrap, Bill Turner. And this line connects the two movies in a revealing and pivotal way for the characters that was like never in the movie to begin with. Bootstrap was the catalyst for the entire Aztec gold fiasco. Bootstrap was so important to the Curse of the Black Pearl, yet he was never in it. Right. And he caused the crew to be cursed since he sent the medallion to Will. He basically set the Curse of the Black Pearl story in motion. And with Jack knowing who Bootstrap was, that connected him to Will. That's what allowed Will to free him from prison. And as we all know, he goes sailing on an adventure with him. Yeah. There you go. And what allowed Will to become a pirate in his own right. And Elizabeth. Yeah. We've been waiting for this mysterious character known as Bootstrap to show up. And when he does... He's not what we expected, but then again, he is exactly what we expect from this universe. He was dropped in the ocean by Barbosa, and having spent time at the bottom of the sea, it's fitting for him to be encrusted. It's just weird he's not dead. That's the thing. I smell a lot of symbolism coming up with that. Yeah. That's what it is. It's just a lot of stuff that I think we're going to explore when we get into this movie of what this is all about. But him identifying it and us being able to put a face to a name, that's what makes this moment. That's what connects the two movies. That's what connects them not as just two movies, but one entire universe, an extension of the first movie. This right. is like one long movie one going story. on. One story, yeah, yeah. One continuous story. Yeah. And that's what I think is maybe part of it. It really kind of is one continuous story. Yep. That's the first adventure in this great leg of these characters moving along in their lives. They're not like separate individual stories that you get with maybe a James Bond franchise or something like that. This is actually one story that's moving along. Yes. Maybe we can explore not, at least within the first three movies. After that, maybe a different story. Maybe it kind of veers off and then comes back to that storyline. Yeah. But for now, we're seeing kind of this Curse of the Black Pearl, Dead Man's Chest, At World's End is like a long scenario Continuous here. Story. Yeah. So that's what I got. Okay. Anything else? That's it for me tonight. God, finally, we can get on with the weekend here. So we'll be back on Monday with minute 15 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. 
Well, most of the time, because it is the weekend, so you got to do a little horn swoggling. Yes, you do. So long live the rum. Long live the rum. Well, it's no surprise you would jump on that one. That's probably going to be your new tagline. <laughs> Long live the rum. I like it. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, And by all means, give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bildrats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.